0: So, a couple of days ago, someone asked me a question, and it was a question about markers or indicators. The vast majority of what you do as a copywriter is research. There's um, a lovely myth that floats about that... You have to be a wordsmith or a great writer or uh, some sort of savant at the keyboard. Truth couldn't be further from that. Actually, those things can be detrimental to your, uh, your progress as a copywriter. You need a basic understanding of grammar and spelling, but for the most part, what you need is understanding of psychology and most of all the patients to do correct research. It's all in the research. I was asked about markers and indicators and indicators are, well they're indicators, they're parts of a research or a, a system that you're studying that lead you to believe certain things Whether they be true or false. And one thing I I always guard against and I I tell people to guard against is, um, well, it really falls back into the Pareto principle. You could be easily duped, sadly by good marketers, into thinking that what you're seeing is one thing when actually it's something very different. And the way that you can tell those things apart is through these markers or indicators. So, I gave this analogy. Imagine you get in your car and you drive down an affluent neighbourhood. Wherever you live in the world, there's always a neighbourhood that's known as like the place where rich people live. So let's say you jump in the car and you go drive down this affluent neighbourhood. It's very easy with modern society and marketing and the prevalence of social media to believe that everyone who lives in that area is some kind of Mark Zuckerberg, some kind of Elon Musk. They somehow pulled the magic rabbit out of the hat and did something that is ostensibly a miracle well on face value that could be true right? on face value that seems perfectly logical but if you look at how many affluent neighbourhoods there are just in the US alone per city, per county, per state you would have to have an awful lot of Elon Musk's in the world, (laughs) for that to be true. So clearly something else is going on there. And again, if you look at the Pareto Principle, what you see, if we break it down, is a perfect example of the Pareto Principle when it comes to wealth and distribution of that wealth. So you're driving around this neighborhood. All the houses are five bedrooms, four bathrooms, a couple of acres, pond, swimming pool, gym, etc, etc., home cinema. What you're seeing there is roughly eighty percent of the residents are regular C suite executives, C CFOs, CEOs, CMOs. They are people that went to college, studied all the right things, said all the right things at the meetings, and hopscotched their way up the corporate ladder from GM to Ford, from Ford to Tesla, from Tesla to Rivian, from Rivian, back to GM. They just hopscotched their way up. Nothing wrong with it. Not saying it's a bad thing, but that's what they did that is 80% of what you're looking at when you drive down those affluent neighborhoods because the Pareto Principle dictates that that is the most likely outcome as of the other 20% you can break that down further into 15% would be something like owner-operator or or a version of owner-operator so if they don't own a carpet cleaning business they at least own uh, 3 or 4 or maybe 10 trucks of a carpet cleaning business you know there's a very, there's a big difference between an owner operator who, who owns one carpet cleaning truck and someone that owns 10 okay you're not going to live in a 2 million dollar mansion or or even a 1.5 million dollar McMansion with one truck unless you're very savvy you're seeing owner operators you're seeing people that own 20 employee marketing companies, you're seeing people that um, run an Amazon business, you're seeing that people people that run um, you know a pest control outfit downtown with 5 trucks and 30 employees or whatever You ost- ostensibly you're seeing the other hidden portion of um, that 20% the leftover percentage, the 5% of that 20, are what you would call outliers, what Malcolm, Gladwell, what Malcolm Gladwell would call outliers. These are people who are on the news, people that will be on podcasts, people that are featured in places, because by their very nature, they're unusual. And that's how you know about them. And that's why... You shouldn't follow what they do. These are people who are, uh, maybe they're institutionally or generationally wealthy. They're cousins of cousins of cousins of the Vanderbilts. And that wealth has been liquidated down to owning a McMansion in the best suburb of Chicago. They are people who won the lottery. Okay, You can't replicate that. It's irreplicable. They are people who invented Facebook. Again, irreplicable. But that 5% is what catches people's attention. That's the people that go on Joe Rogan experience. The people that go on, you know, Good Morning America or whatever. These are the people, the outliers, of what we find fascinating. But ironically, they are the least replicable. The reason you know Frank Kern... Is because you can't replicate his success. The reason you know Dan Henry is because you cannot replicate his success. It it goes with the territory. They are one and the same thing. The people that you don't know about are the people that you could replicate, ironically. And I guess with social media there's some access to those people. You can sort of see into their world and possibly replicate their success or at least imitate it to a certain degree but when you drive down those neighbourhoods and you see those big fancy homes you're just seeing the Pareto Principle played out the vast majority are just C-suite the smaller portion will be people that own uh, own businesses but they're not fancy businesses they're not businesses that you kinda go "Ooh," they're just regular businesses and the other smaller proportion the most vocal proportion are the people that you cannot replicate inherited it won it um massive strokes of fortune invented an app that sells a 100 million dollars worth of sneakers a year like stuff that you just can't replicate and even when you go onto tiktok and youtube and you see Videos like that guy who runs up to people in Ferraris and says, What do you do for a living? Again, that gives you a false sense of how the principle works because the kind of people that uh, live in those areas, they're not really buying those kind of cars. Maybe 2% or 3% will own Lamborghini, Ferrari, you know, Tesla, you know, high end Tesla, the Roadster, and stuff like that. But the vast majority of Driving very pedestrian cars, and they're they're busy making the cash instead of flashing the cash. So again, when the, that guy says, "Hey, you know, what do you do for a living?" they say things like, "I I sell stocks, or I do YouTube, and all those kind of things." They're cool and they're attractive, but you never hear people say, "I want the marketing manager of a Fortune 500 company." <laughs> you never hear someone say. Oh yeah, I'm Chief Financial Officer of Procter & Gamble. Like, you don't hear that. Because they don't fall into the cool, sexy, you know, newsworthy, YouTube, TikTok-worthy genre of where people are, you know, where their attention is focused today, which is all about the... Some heart chick drives a Ferrari, some guy says, what do you do for a living? She says, oh... I created an app called Labibble and Labibble sounds, you know, sells Michael Kors purses or whatever. The vast majority of people in those neighborhoods that you're thinking about, that we're talking about, sorry, uh, don't fall into that category. Now I'm not saying that you have more of a chance of earning that kind of lifestyle by just becoming a C-suite executive. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that you should follow the most replicable path. I think we've fallen into a trap in modern times, and the the trap is you could do anything you want, you could be anything you want, you're a special boy, a special girl, you're a snowflake, you know, you gotta live your truth, all that kind of stuff. Well, there are two types of truth. There's your truth and there's universal truth. I could say my truth is that I wanna be the world's best chimpanzee impersonator. That doesn't necessarily mean that the world is going to accept that and put a value on that, so we have to be very careful about what we're doing in that circumstance are we are we truly living what is replicable or are we just doing what we think is good for us because those two things are not always congruent um you know a lot of people call themselves an entrepreneur and they sell like 20 dollars worth of crocheted hats on eBay or Etsy. Like we have to be very careful about these things. But there are things you can replicate if you know if you don't want to go with the majority of the 80% uh, and replicate the C suite executive level whatever. Then, you know, there's a big portion of that 80% that will be made up of doctors and consultants and Stuff like that—that's probably easily replicable or easier to replicate than trying to hopscotch your way up a corporation for twenty years. Um, breaking down into the into the lower fifteen percent again, you know, it's far easier to buy a truck and clean carpets and build that business through good marketing than it is to try and become the chief financial officer of Ford general motors Um, this is why copywriting is such a powerful business model because well first of all every copywriter is self-taught there's no training school there's no there's no university will teach you how to write copy they'll teach you how to get a marketing degree but that's nothing like what you need to know to be a good copywriter so you can replicate when you see a copywriter and their success, you can replicate that to a degree. It's very difficult to replicate other stuff, but copywriters, you can replicate the success because there are applied principles and all you have to do is follow those principles. And you can do it in your own time. you know You don't have to wait for GM or Ford or Procter and Gamble or ICI to give you a big break. You can literally start practicing today. Put a website up, start selling supplements, start you know affiliate marketing you can you can test your copy today with cold traffic with your potential audience. And so that's why copywriting is the most powerful business model on the planet. Anyone who can write or read English is willing to study research and study psychology can ultimately if with enough practice and with enough endeavor you can replicate the successes of those copywriters and when you look at some of the top copywriters and not even the top ones just very good ones that you don't know again there are copywriters in the world the US specifically let's talk about the US there are copywriters in the world in the US thousands of them multiples of thousands who live very affluent lifestyles and you have no clue who they are they're not the Dan Henry, the Frank Kern because that kind of success is not replicable for most people they are complete outliers copywriters that do six figures a year mid six figures they're absolutely replicable because they've been replicated time and time again you get to a point where your sales letters are you know $20,000 and you you ask for 3% royalty and a dollar for every bottle of whatever you're selling it's totally replicable it's been done time and time again you know so that was a very short podcast today but i wanted to talk about that i wanted to talk about the fallacy of replication and how the Pareto principle applies to that and how you can simply do the litmus test yourself by driving to fairly affluent neighborhoods and um And then using Google Maps, like you, you won't see businesses registered to those addresses. You won't see. I mean, you could search CEOs at local corporations, I guess, and you know go to white pages and figure out where they live. It's kind of a long winded way to do it, but you could do it. But you'll see a lot of copywriters on Google Maps or in your particular niche or niche as a copywriter who live in very wealthy areas. And all they're doing all day is writing copy. And there are too many of them to suggest that they are outliers. Now, are the A-listers outliers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The A-list copywriters are definitely outliers. You cannot replicate the Gary Benson Vengas and the Dan Kennedys of this world. But you sure can replicate some of the other dudes and gals and I suggest that you do again learn how to write learn how to research and learn psychology and there's nothing stopping you from achieving that it is absolutely replicable and they are not outliers and be careful of the outliers be careful of the Dan Kennedys, the Frank Kearns the Gary Vaynerchuks don't dismiss them just be careful just understand that they are the lottery winners of the industry, you cannot replicate that that success. As much as they want to tell you, you can't buy a Russell Brunson book and then replicate what he's doing. Sorry, I'm very sorry but you cannot do that. You can mimic it and you can achieve some level of that, but you're not going to replicate it. They are outliers, as Michael Gladwell would put it. So, forget the outliers. Put those to one side, the five percent. Forget the C suites and the doctors and the and the you know orthodontist consultants, put the put the eighty percent to one side and focus on that fifteen. Focus on that fifteen percent. Focus on those guys. What kind of businesses are they building? What kind of procedures are they following? And what kind of path are they cut that you can follow the idea that you're going to invent the new Facebook Jesus that's a really tough tough path to cut and you have more chance of winning the lottery you have more chance of being struck by lightning multiple times forget the 5% of outliers forget the 80% of the majority focus in the middle like the three bears porridge is too hot porridge is too cold is just right just just figure out that 15 percent what are they doing who are they doing it for and how are they maximizing it to go live the lifestyle that they live i'll give you a hint they're not driving ferraris and appearing on tiktok being asked what they do for a living